Please turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 48 through 59. Uh, As uh, Brian prayed a moment ago, uh, my family and I are going away for a few weeks. Uh, First, I'll be at uh, Westminster, taking some seminary classes, and then uh, we will have uh, some vacation time after that. So it'll be a little while before we're back in John, so uh, we'll pick up with John 9 in August. Before we read John 8, let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for Jesus who is our life, as we just sang. And we pray that you would help us to see Jesus more fully and more clearly now. And pray that you would be with me as I speak, that I would speak about Jesus clearly. And yet we know that ultimately it's your Holy Spirit alone who can... Give us understanding and open our eyes to see him for who he is. And so we pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work uh, in us, in our hearts, in our minds to both see and understand and receive the grace that you've offered in your son, Jesus. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. John 8, beginning with verse 48 through the end of the chapter. The Jews answered him, that is, answered Jesus, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Isaiah tells us that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. How is Jesus different how is Jesus different from the teachers and founders of other, the other great religions of the world? I don't, be a claim, I don't claim to be a student of any religion but Christianity. I, I haven't studied Taoism or Islam or the Baha'i faith in any great detail. But I've picked up a little here and there. And I would never want to ignore the differences between the great religions of the world, they each have their own unique history and teachings, 
uh, but there are certain basic similarities among their founders. Chief among them, of course, is that they're all men. Uh, Men who were born, lived, and died as men. They don't claim to be anything other than men. Uh, They may have claimed to have uh, great ideas or even to have received revelation from God, but that doesn't change the fact that they were men. The founders of the great Eastern religions were men who were philosophers and teachers and politicians, men who thought deeply and pursued moral purity and reform. Muhammad was a man born in Saudi Arabia who reportedly received revelations from the angel Gabriel. Joseph Smith was a man who similarly claimed to have received revelation from an angel, uh, this time in the form of golden plates. The founder of the Baha'i faith was uh, a man born in Persia who claimed to have received revelation from God while in prison. Uh, Now, in in many religions, uh, the adherents are said to be in some sense deified through rigorous obedience, meditation, or moral living. Uh, They might be able to attain enlightenment or divinity of some kind. Uh, But all of these men, for the most part, started out, according to their religions, as just that, men. Men who were born, lived, and died like men. And as far as I understand, they they did not claim to, to be God only messengers of God, if even that. And my question this morning is this, what makes Jesus any different? How is Jesus different from other philosophical and religious teachers of the world? And this question flows out of our text because the Judean religious elite say to Jesus in verse 53, are you greater than our father Abraham? Now, I'm not suggesting that Abraham is no different from those other men that I mentioned. Uh, To the contrary, of course, as a Christian, I believe all other religions are false. Uh, That's just a, a logical truism, by the way. Two genuinely contradictory beliefs cannot both be true. If I believe one, I cannot at the same time and in the same way believe the other. But as a Christian, I do believe that Abraham was chosen and called by God and received promises from God. And I believe that that God was faithful to those promises in caring for his people Israel right up to the coming of Jesus. I believe that Abraham is not only the, the physical forefather of the Jewish people, but that he is the spiritual father of all Christian people who share in the faith of Abraham. And this is what Paul teaches in places like Galatians 3, 7, when he says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Or in Romans 4, 11 and 12, where Paul says, Abraham is the father of all who believe and who walk in the footsteps of his faith. But that only heightens the question, doesn't it? Uh, The claims of Christ in this passage, the claim of Christ in this passage is that he is greater than our father Abraham. In some sense, Abraham is the father of all who believe, but Jesus is greater Those words are not on Jesus' lips, not in this passage, Uh, but Jesus does make such claims elsewhere. In Matthew 12 and in Luke 11, Jesus claims to be greater than Jonah and greater than Solomon, which are bold words, arrogant even, if they're not true. Do you remember the purpose of John's book? We've come back to it again and again, maybe in every sermon, I'm not sure, but I keep coming back to it because it's so important and central to John's book. Uh, He tells us in John chapter 20, verse 31, he he wrote uh, that his purpose was so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, 
and that by believing you may have life in his name. John is writing, so you will believe in Jesus and have life in his name. Which means the question of who Jesus is is actually pretty important. It is a matter of life and death, says John. So what makes him different? Uh, What makes him different from other philosophers and religious leaders? What makes him greater than our father Abraham, greater than King Solomon, greater than the prophet Jonah? Well, here's what we're going to see this morning. Uh, Jesus speaks the words of the Father. Jesus fulfills the promises of the Father. And Jesus is one with the Father. First, Jesus speaks the words of the Father. Uh, We've been looking at John 8 for a number of weeks now, and Jesus has been going back and forth with certain of the religious elite in Jerusalem. And uh, many uh, were there in Jerusalem for one of the great Jewish festivals, some uh, who heard Jesus even believed in him. John 8.30 uh, says, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. And yet Jesus was not satisfied with this, so he challenged them to persist in his teaching, to hang on his every word. The problem was, the more Jesus taught, the more they began to disagree. They didn't abide in his word, but bristled against it. Some of Jesus' teachings, taken out of context, seem pretty universal. It's easy to listen to Jesus when he talks to his disciples about their Father in heaven caring for them. It's easy to listen to Jesus when he says, love your neighbor. Most of us like talk of God's love for us, and and we're pretty good with our love for one another, as long as it doesn't get too specific. But then Jesus starts talking about dying in our sin and being slaves to sin, and his hearers begin to push back. Jesus has just told them that they were not spiritually children of Abraham, but they were children of their father, the devil. And his hearers respond in a kind of tit-for-tat move in verse 48. Verse 48 says, The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? They're saying, Oh yeah? We're not true children of Abraham? Well, you're nothing but a Samaritan. We're sons of the devil, well, you have a demon. It's a bit childish, but uh, we go there sometimes. Jesus responds, I do not have a demon. On the contrary, I am seeking to honor my Father, God. But you are dishonoring me, one who is honoring God. Who's acting like a demon in this situation? In verse 50, Jesus says basically, "Not, not that I'm worried that you're not honoring me, I I do not seek my own glory. The Father seeks my glory. He's the judge. His opinion is the only one that matters. I'm not here to seek my glory. And so why is he here? Verse 51, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. See, Jesus did not come for his own glory. He came to speak truth and give life. But his words are not his own. He came to speak the Father's words. Jesus keeps coming back to this uh, again and again in John's gospel. John 7, 16, he says, My teaching is not my own, but his who sent me. John 8, 26, He who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. John 8, 28, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. 
Now, in some sense, similar to other religious leaders, Jesus claims that if we listen to his teaching, we will never see death. That's a, a radical claim to anyone, uh, for anyone to make, and it is certainly unusual, though perhaps not completely unique. Though if you have been listening up to this point, uh, we'll know that there's more behind what Jesus is saying. See, Jesus claims not merely to speak for God. Uh, really, any, any crackpot can do that, right? And many do. Uh, there are lots of cult leaders and manipulators who have claimed to speak for God. And Jesus actually claims more than that, doesn't he? He claims to have come from the Father, Meaning he didn't, he didn't receive revelation in a cave or in prison or digging up golden plates somewhere. He didn't receive impressions from God. The claim of Christianity is this, that from eternity Jesus was with the Father. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word, John 1.14, became flesh in the person of Jesus. See, Jesus does not simply claim his teaching is from God, but that he comes from God. God the Father told him what to speak, and so he speaks the words of the Father. As a result, anyone who keeps his word will never see death. Death has no power over him. Now, you might think, okay, well, Christians have been dying for 2,000 years, so what does Jesus mean by death has no power over them? And Jesus clarifies what he means in a couple of places. Uh, in John 5, 24 to 29, it's a, a longer quote, but Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. That is, as a present possession. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, I, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Jesus is saying he can give life to you and to me right now if we hear his voice. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in the future when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Or, uh, put more succinctly, Jesus will say in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet will he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? See, those who believe in Jesus, even though they die, they will live. The Christian hope is that as Jesus died and rose from the dead, so we, though we die, we will rise from the dead. And if we are given spiritual life now, we will never die spiritually and physically. Though we die, we will come back from the dead on the last day. Uh, at one point, you may remember, G many of Jesus' disciples were grumbling. His teaching was hard, and they had had just about enough. And Jesus looked at the 12 and said, what about you? Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him in John 6, 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. See, Jesus came to speak his Father's word. Anyone who keeps his word, he promises, will not see death. Even if you should die, death will not be your final experience meaning your soul will immediately enter into the presence of the Father who is life itself 
even as you await the resurrection of the body. So Jesus comes to speak the words of the Father. If you keep his word, you will never see death. Now, I don't know what you think. This may not seem like enough of a difference to you. Lots of religious teachers uh, teach lots of crazy things. And so Jesus is a religious teacher who teaches crazy things. How is that different from anybody else, you might be thinking? Well, I don't think it's quite the same thing. Uh, But let's keep going. What makes Jesus different? Well, first, Jesus speaks the words of the Father. Second, Jesus fulfills the promises of the Father. Uh, The Jewish leaders don't like what Jesus just said any more than skeptics do today. If anyone keeps my word, he will not see death. Uh, What kind of a claim is that? Are you kidding me? Uh, They say, uh, now we know you're crazy. Verses 52 and 53. 52, they say, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Who do you think you are, Jesus? Everybody dies. All the greats died. Nobody has yet kept one single person alive. Everybody knows, they're saying, right? The only thing certain in life are death and taxes. Who do you think you are? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus' response is to say, actually, I don't make myself out to be anybody. In verse 54, he says, if I glorify myself, that is, if I make myself out to be somebody, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God, but you have not known him. They say, who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus says, I'm not making myself out to be anybody. My glory is in my Father's hands. You claim him for your God, but you don't know him, which is the problem. You claim to know him, but you don't. It's a lie. If I were to say I don't know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and I keep his word. You'll notice as we read through chapter 8, Jesus is doggedly determined to keep the real issue in front of them. And the real issue is not actually that they don't know Jesus, it's that they don't know the Father. They claim to know God, but they don't know him. If they knew God, they would hear him in Jesus' words and they would see him in Jesus' actions. But they don't know Jesus because they don't know God. The Father. And as for whether Jesus is greater than our father Abraham, Jesus says in verse 56, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Now, on uh, the surface, this seems like an absurd statement. And their response uh, takes it that way. They say, You are not yet 50 years old. Have you seen Abraham? And they're saying, Jesus, you're still a young man. How could you, a young man, have seen Abraham who died 2,000 years earlier? Now, of course, that's actually not what Jesus said. They they flipped it around. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, They say, have you seen Abraham? But what Jesus said was, Abraham saw my day, which is not the same thing. Uh, The question, of course, is how did Abraham see Jesus' day? Uh, What does that mean? And some think it means that Abraham saw Jesus in the birth of Isaac. Uh, That is, that Isaac, as the child of promise, was a kind of preview, a foretaste of Jesus to come. Others think that Jesus means Abraham could see him uh, right then, that, that Abraham had looked down from heaven and seen Jesus and rejoiced. 
And still others think that Abraham saw Jesus in a vision. Uh, they point to different places in Genesis where there are visions. Some point to Genesis 15, for example. Uh, I, I actually think it, it may be something of the, the first uh, is most likely Uh, that Abraham was given the promises, the promise of seed, the promise of blessing to the nations, the promise of an inheriting uh, inheriting the earth through his offspring. And and the New Testament tells us that all of those are ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, who is the seed of Abraham, who has inherited the earth, all authority in heaven on earth, and who then commissions the apostles to disciple the nations, to bring blessing to all peoples. And so Abraham received the promises, and he saw the beginnings of the fulfillment which were the first fruits, the the down payment, the foretaste of the Christ to come. Jesus comes to fulfill the Father's promises to Abraham. Abraham saw the beginning of that and rejoiced. Now, uh, as we talk about Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises, that actually also is not an utterly unique claim. Uh, Of course, the important question is who actually fulfilled what, but the claim itself is not unique. Uh, Muslims, you may know, claim that Muhammad fulfilled certain biblical prophecies. They believe that when Jesus said, in, uh, that when Moses said in Deuteronomy 18:15, "The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers," it is to him you shall listen. Uh, Muslims believe Moses was speaking of Muhammad when he said those things. And uh, they teach that when Jesus said in John 14:16, When Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, Muslims teach that Jesus was speaking of Muhammad. Now, Christians have always interpreted the Deuteronomy passage as prophesying Jesus, the prophet from among uh, the people of Israel, your brothers. Muhammad did not come from among your brothers. He did not come from among the people of Israel. Uh, Though I suspect Muslim theologians would say Muhammad came from Ishmael, the brother of Isaac, and so he counts. And it's really unequivocally clear from context that Jesus in John 14 is speaking about the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16 to 17 says, uh, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. And Jesus repeats this multiple times in John 14 through 16. And then in Luke 21 and Acts 1, Jesus refers to that spirit as the promise of the Father. And then in Acts 2, the spirit is actually poured out. And Peter says in Acts 2.33 that Jesus, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. You see, he's saying that the spirit was promised and now the spirit has come. And so while the claim to fulfill certain promises of God is not utterly unique to Jesus, uh, false prophets and false Christs arise. Uh, But Jesus alone fulfills God's promises and prophecies. And as you read through the scriptures, you will find that Jesus doesn't fulfill simply this or that promise, but all of God's promises find their yes and amen in him. Uh, this is, in fact, the way Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 1.20. He says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him, that is, in Jesus. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Jesus is the, the seed of Abraham, the one who brings blessing to the nations and receives the land. But Jesus is also the son of David who sits on God's throne forever as God promised. 
And he's the true Joshua who brings us into the promised land. And Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Jesus is the true prophet who makes the Father known. He is the the true temple, the dwelling place of God with men. Jesus is the true priest who offers a sacrifice for sin and reconciles us to God. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the suffering servant of Isaiah who has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, who was stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, who was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. See, every promise and every prophecy, every type and every sign and foretaste in the Old Testament finds its fulfillment and fullness in him. Not something here and something there, but the whole book is moving us forward to Jesus. So what makes Jesus different? Well, one, Jesus speaks the words of the Father. As the one who came from the Father, and as John repeatedly points out, was returning to the Father. And Jesus fulfills the promises of the Father, all the promises, all the prophecies, all the types, and all the shadows. Finally, all of this finds its fullest meaning because Jesus is one with the Father. Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. They responded, you're crazy. You're not yet 50 years old. Have have you seen Abraham? And at this point, Jesus throws down the gauntlet. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, meaning this is important, listen up. I do solemnly swear before Abraham was, I am. I think when Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, he saw it and was glad, he meant that Jesus was already present in the promises and in the foretastes of those promises. But when they push, Jesus helps us understand how that can be true. You see, there are different ways one might be present in the foretaste of a promise. If I promised one of my boys that I would buy them a car when they turned 16, which to their disappointment I have never done, but if I had, and I gave them, when I made the promise, a little matchbox version of the car that I promised to buy, the fulfillment would be, in some sense, present in the foretaste, right? It wouldn't be really present, uh, but it would be present by way of anticipation, It would be present by way of sign and symbol. But Jesus uh, was surely present in all of those ways throughout the history of God's redemptive work, right? The signs and the symbols and the types all pointed forward to him. But that was not the only way that Jesus was present. Because before Abraham was, Jesus says, I am. Now, on the one hand, Jesus means before Abraham was, Jesus existed, which itself is a radical claim. Jesus is claiming that somehow he existed before he was born. That he existed thousands of years before he was born. Which is both an odd and a radical claim in itself. But actually, that's not all that Jesus is saying. If that's all that Jesus meant, he could have said, before Abraham was, I was, or I existed. But what he says is, before Abraham was, I am. This seems to be uh, two things that, of course, go together. On the one hand, it is a claim to being timeless. He doesn't say, I was, but I am before Abraham. I am before Abraham right now. I am. But it's still more than that because I am is the divine name in the Old Testament. Yahweh means something like I am. When Moses asks God his name before the Exodus, God says this in Exodus 3.14, 
I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Jesus is not simply claiming to exist before Abraham, and he's not simply claiming to be timeless. He is claiming to be God, Yahweh, the I am. Sometimes scholars debate if that's uh, really what Jesus meant. But if you are in any way unsure, just look at the next verse, verse 59. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Even if modern scholars are skeptical, the people of Jesus' day knew exactly what he was saying. So they pick up stones to execute him for blasphemy. They are so incensed at his supposedly uh, supposed blasphemy that they don't wait for a trial or for Roman justice. They take matters into their own hands. Jesus just claimed to be God, and they think in doing so he has committed blasphemy. The Mosaic law says such a one should be stoned to death, so they pick up stones to stone him. But of course, that was exactly what Jesus was saying. He is the I am. Earlier in chapter 8, Jesus said in John 8, 24, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, again, a phrase that can simply be translated, I am, you will die in your sins. What makes Jesus different from other religious leaders? He not only claims to speak for God and fulfill prophecy, Jesus claims to be God in the flesh, God incarnate. Now, you might reject him as such. You might think he's out of his mind. But as C.S. Lewis put it, don't demean him by saying he is a good teacher. He doesn't claim to be a good teacher. He claimed to be God in the flesh. Either he is a lunatic, a liar, or he is the Lord of the universe. In no scenario can Jesus be simply a good teacher, a good prophet, a good wise man, along with a bunch of other good teachers, prophets, and wise men. It just doesn't work. And Jesus will go on to say in John 10, chapter 30, I and the Father are one. And in John 17, 3, he says, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, you may be thinking, okay, fine, so Jesus makes claims no one else makes. He claims to speak for God because he claims to be from God. He claims to fulfill God's promises because he was there at work when those promises were made. He claims to be the pre-existent, timeless God, the I am, Yahweh. So he can't be like other religious leaders. He can't be just a good teacher. But how do I know he's not simply a fraud? How can I take his claims to be God seriously? Well, Jesus actually gave the answer earlier in this chapter in John 8, 28 to 29. He said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. You see, what, what Jesus is saying there is he, he's going to the cross to do the Father's will. What was the Father's will? Uh, we're told, again, in the same chapter that he should be the lamb of God to take away the sin of the world that he should lay down his life for his sheep and that he should lose not one of those the father has given him lose not one now now though Jesus going to the cross of course looked like his defeat it looked like he lost he died 
He was put to death. His enemies got the upper hand. But actually, this was the exact moment of Jesus' greatness. So Jesus willingly gave his life as a sacrifice for sin. And having done what was pleasing to the Father in going to the cross, the Father did not leave him to death, but raised him from the dead. And in the resurrection, we see the vindication of Jesus, the one who came from the Father to do the Father's will. And in his resurrection and ascension, he returned to the Father. And in that lifting up through the cross, through the resurrection, through his ascension into heaven, the Father glorifies his Son. Jesus is not uh, some run-of-the-mill religious teacher. He is even greater than our father Abraham. Jesus speaks the words of the Father. He fulfills the promises of the Father because he is one with the Father. Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and you will have life in his name. Keep his word, and you will never taste death. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to become a human being, to die for human beings, and to rise again to defeat death for us. Help us to see him for who he is and to believe in him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.